Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 27th, 2013. For newcomers, I will suggest you make good use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Lots of audios to download for free. And I go through the system that you're born into and how it's utterly controlled. Always really has been for an awful long, long time actually. And I go through the history of the organizations that popped up a long time ago. And really starting with one uh, they had many names in the past, different centuries, and then blossomed down to become basically foundations, tax-free uh, philanthropic uh, organizations that fund armies of NGOs who, who, of course, demand law changes across the world uh, so that the elite, of course, can rule you much more easily under the guise of rights and rights and rights and so on. And I go through the history of it, and of course it was started up by the biggest money boys of their time. They'd been in the business a long, long time through the industrial era of Britain and Europe and so on, and did a, a finger in every pie in every country, and they were international money boys, the guys who lent to nations, and eventually owned them naturally through debt. So help yourself to the, the websites, and you'll start to understand the history of the system, a totalitarian system, really, that you're born into, one that at one time didn't have so many obvious bars around you as it does today. Now they're up, of course, you can see how far you can go in certain areas. Before, they were more invisible, but if you did step over the, a certain boundary, they still popped up regardless. So help yourself to that. Number two, you bring me to you. You can help me take along here by getting the books and discs at cuttingthroughthemedias.com because I don't bring on advertisers, guests, or sell you lots of products and things, etc., etc. It's not a, a business. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can always order using a personal check or international postal money order. You can uh, send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And straight donations are seriously welcome. As we go through uh, planned, well, it's just really devaluation of your currencies, or that they call it inflation, or quantitative easing. So many names for the same old cons, isn't it? And of course, money's backed by nothing anyway, except the big boys at the top that decide what it's worth, and we all believe it, and everybody else believes it. And so, as long as we all believe it, it kind of works along. That's how it works. It's all belief system, belief-based, and faith-based, really. And the whole planet's not like that. I mean, everybody across the whole planet's in debt to the same people. The same handful of people. And, uh, and they're getting total, total power. The same people, of course, make sure that the agenda runs on course to suit themselves. They make sure that all uh, government systems obey them and they put their own guys into government. The private foundations do that. They've done that for over a hundred years. And they make sure that, that the future is always theirs. If you want to control the future, you must get into power and you must have the cash power. And of course, the top of the tree, the whole world, uh, is this thing called money that very few folk understand. There's not much to understand except it's a big racket and a con under the guise of various sciences like economics. And it's so amazing that all the best minds in the world, suppose they're churned out universities, uh, never get anything right. They can't see depressions coming, can't see bank scams coming and collapses of banks like chain reaction across the world. It just hits them all by surprise. So I think they should chuck all the degrees out the window. Personally, it's all, it's all nonsense. 
But we're run by chronology. And that's why I go through my book, is really how ancient the art of chronology is. And how the ancients too, the Greeks especially, wrote an awful lot down about the human mind and even the masses, you might say, uh, and how to control them and how easy it was to control them. And the knowledge is never forgotten, especially by those who must, who make their living off, off of you. By, by money, you see. Or making you buy things you don't really want or you need. Or getting governments even to, to mandate that, that they must use, uh, certain vaccines, for instance, by law. And you must all take it. And the big pharma companies gets, gets a deal. What a, what, what a sales pitch that is, isn't it? What a commission there is on that one. Ten years at a time in advance. Oh, not bad at all when you control the world. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. Generally what I do is go through the system of reality, what reality really is, not not the one you're given by the media. And people don't realize how many academic studies have been done for over an awful long period, using tax money, of course, and grants from private foundations and so on, which are so interested in how you think and how you tick. And it's almost really been like that. Of course, it's much easier today. Now they can do personality profiles on every individual with all the, the technology that's out there and so on. But um, there's, there's nothing really they don't know about the general population. Then they've split into subgroups and so on. And then, of course, down to you personally. They've got all, all they need to know about you personally. They even have a virtual you in the Pentagon. I read that from the Pentagon site years ago on the air. And they said that all the data that you put up there is taken daily and added to the virtual you. And they do games on it to see how you'd react in, in real-life situations. And they say, you know, no doubt numbers have, have tested this out, obviously, uh, that it's pretty accurate. It's very accurate indeed. So they can they know how to set you up into any situation, how you fall for things, and how you'll react to things. That, that you really were, were just an open book now, and that's how it was meant to be. Before they even gave you the computer, all this was designed eventually to come into place. And the computer, of course, is the main helper for this whole world society of totalitarian control. They couldn't have done it without it. Couldn't have been done. It's impossible. And who developed it? Well, it's the war industry, of course. We know all that stuff. And they used uh, their own version of the Internet uh, before uh, they, they gave it to you. So we're living in a fishbowl, basically. And most folk now, we're being, even the youngsters have been taught that the privacy is just a sort of an old-fashioned concept, like, in a, like an appendage that you grew out of as you evolved or something. And, uh, and they take that quite casually. You don't think it through, of course. And that's quite natural, too, because every generation is born into its own group, and everything is thought to be natural to every child. Uh, regardless of the circumstances, it's always natural to them because it exists. Simply because of that, because it simply exists. If you were brought up with a, with a another country had invaded you a long time ago, and different uniforms and different uh, uh, languages ruled over you, the children would think that was normal, too. They eventually did in the Soviet uh, Union and the, the, the countries that took over. And even today in Latvia and different places, if you read the articles they've got up there, there was a policy, for instance, of uh, soldiers from the Soviet Union occupying these countries to get more money and so on if they stayed in those countries when they came out the armed military and married locally. The idea to, 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 to basically breed out the bad blood of people who'd rebel against you. Very old concept, because way back to 
primogeniture in, in, in Britain and elsewhere. Very old concept. So, uh, and now they find about 60 to 70 percent of the people there are all either Russian or part Russian or whatever. So, uh, this works awfully, awfully well. Uh, so, that was right, all normal to the children brought up in that system. And of course, they didn't have their previous history there, history there, where they got taught in school it was a Sovietized system of history. In Europe, now they're giving the European children a completely new history, beginning basically like the communists used in some other countries, or even Cambodia, like zero, ground zero. That's where, the, or year zero, that's when your time starts, when the European Union was started up. You can do anything with people when you've got the power to do so. All you need to do is own all the money system. You put your own boys in through money, doesn't matter what they, what they can do or can't do or, or have abilities or not, as long as they're on board with the agenda, you put them in for a function, and they run everything down from the top of the pyramid all the way down. It's always been like that. And it works awfully, awfully well. So we're, we're going through a big system change now, of course, into ta- really totalitarian systems, but it's better management of our minds and better management of uh, the reality too. Even the media stories are terrible now. And that happened when Levison in Britain and the one in Australia and all the rest of them across the world all came out at the same time. All, all these characters with their, their big, ma- massive bills and so on on new laws for journalists. So the journalists are, there are certain things there which are okay to, to, to talk about or, or even criticize and a whole list of things which you can't criticize in this free speech agenda, right? So a lot of the media too will give you stories you can't do anything about. Have you noticed that most of the bad news, you little person, little old you can do nothing about. It's all done way up there at big international meetings and organizations that no one votes in, like the World Bank and the IMF and, and so on, all run by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, a private organization that has the biggest organization on the planet, really. They were the first ones to come out openly, create the Council of Foreign Relations for other countries, and put their own boys in as presidents and prime ministers. You have to read their own historian's uh, book on it, because he wrote a couple of books on it, Professor Carl Professor Quigley, because they have their own version of history, how they manipulate history. And that's why he said, I, I'm writing this book because this group, remaining secret, secrets for so long, has had such an influential and massive uh, change in, in the direction of the future. Quite something staggering, really. Even Winston Churchill brought it up, and he says, because he was kind of out the loop. He was in on the European amalgamation deal, but he wasn't sure who was to completely run it. He still thought it would be you know, sovereign entities meeting around a meeting table. In other words, the guys at the top splitting the loot. You know, like it's always been. But he didn't realize that certain people were going to get more of the loot than anybody else. But... um of course, they came up with the idea of trading blocks and free trade, which is not free trade at all. It's selective trade with big international corporations, which really, when you go into big international corporations, the top shareholders, the ones that hold the primary shares, are all the same people. All these international organizations, across, right into China, folks. You see? So they already have the world in their, in their, in their hands. And all they're doing now is using those in academia and who come on board to find new techniques on our mind and so on, psychology to, to manage us even easier. That's, that's what it is. Plus, of course, when you get lots of, lots of bad news, um, if you can't handle it, you go into more fiction. That, that's part of the agenda. They understand that. Plato understood that. He said those who live in cities, because it's an artificial entity, a city, everything is run on a thing called money. Folk in the country didn't need it. They could grow all their own stuff and so on. But in a city, everything had to be brought into them. And then they had to have other products to sell 
by using this money to make a living and so on. But they also needed an awful lot of entertainment. Uh, so much so that, that in, in ancient Greece it was mandated that when these travellers came round, these travelling roadshows came round to players, you had to attend by law. Even the slaves had to watch them. Because that's how you, you, you put into them obedience to the state through the stories. And your state was the greatest in the world through the stories. And how you would keep everything in check, various moralities and so on, or even change moralities. So much so that he, he, Plato even mentioned giving licensing to uh, musicians because they could really affect the young so easily and get them to rebel. As of course, the boys have always known down through the ages. Theo Adorno knew that. He, he tried to use it, in fact. It kind of flopped at one point. But anyway, they actually won eventually. But we're living through a stage where, where now everyone, most of them don't care about the fact they're being looked at and so on. And they always have nothing to hide. That's not the point of it. I mean, the, the great, the best slave of, of, is one that doesn't know they are a slave. And most folk don't know they are slaves. And they, they kind of, uh, it's like Jack C. Lull said, he says they don't learn through reasoning of information, reasoning in. Uh, they actually get it through osmosis by bits and bites, bits and pieces of information. It kind of sinks into them and becomes their opinion. They don't, they don't know how they arrive at opinions. Those who give them the opinions know how to, how to arrive at them and how it's, it works, but the average person doesn't. Because folk naturally want to be happy, you see. It used to amaze me too, all the studies that were done, even during the Middle Ages, about the, the little people, as they called the peasants, you see, the ones who did all the work. And they would... They would be allowed to keep so much percentage of their crops to feed themselves, their farmhands, their, their cows and so on. They didn't own anything, they just lived on the land and it was all, they were tenant farmers, much like some of them still are today under Prince Charles. But anyway, it said that, uh, they said that uh, they were also amazed at how the little people, under all the grueling circumstances, even when the overlords, you see, the nobility, took 60% of all the crops and produce away from them, and they would sell it and so on, make profits on it. Uh, the people left with the, with the leftovers, the people who grew it, in other words, were always so cheery and happy. Even though they were in rags, they were cheery and happy. And that was the wonderful thing about it, you see, because cheery, happy people can put up with almost anything. It's, uh, it's kind of like the fellow in Monty Python's um, The Life of Brian at the end, when they're all hanging in crosses, and he starts, he's joking away, and he says, look on the bright side of life. You see, we have an optimism partner brain, and they use that for you. But they also know when it's getting kind of bad, because they've got to offset the bad news, which makes you conform to the system more and more. You feel small and useless and so on, and they give you lots of escapism. Never, never, ever has been so much escapist in movies and, 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 and the technological stuff to do with special effects and so on. Terrible stories, but it doesn't matter. As long as your eyes can follow movement, that's all that matters. That's all they're meant to do, you see. And every person who has no power or influence at all can can be the hero in there, and he's a superman or he's a super something. And in reality, he knows himself. He sees a nobody. But in the, but in the movies, he's escaping into being the, the hero, the guy who takes on the world, does all these superpowers, and yada, yada, yada. Works awfully well. And it's getting worse and worse and worse because they have to make it more ridiculous as you're under more and more control. That's why it's there. You see, more and more control. We've been we've been taken off to wars that were set up long before they started, starting about 1990, 1991. And then in 2001 we had the big one, of course, 
and uh, to get the whole thing really kicked off into martial law, which every country had signed agreements in prior to it happening, the same omnibus bills and agreements, of the same agenda outlined. Right down to even the government and departments of government taking over the food supply of the planet, and many other things besides. They were whacked with all the whole global warming scam, because that was written about years ago by the Club of Rome, the think tank for the Royal Institute of International Affairs. How they con the public into giving all the rights up, telling us going to be famine, plague, and global warming and the like, and that will fit the bill. That's what they said. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about the big system. Uh, to get on with the, the story too, we've had the, the 2001, all the changes since then, we were, we were whacked, of course, with so many laws and, and loss of freedoms and rights and so on. And then we had all the global warming scam, it's up to the present time, because that's, this is a big plan, it's changed the way that you live completely. And even the followers from all this global warming stuff and all the greenies, uh, they, they, they don't even check. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you show them. It's so, so interesting. From big, uh, corporations' own websites, how they're all involved in financing the green industry. Because they're all getting big masses of money given to them by your tax money. To make stuff they don't care if it works or not, it doesn't have to work. Just big bucks, you see. Uh, but it doesn't matter to the Greenies, you see, they're, they're born believers. It's like the communists, and uh, I've talked before about the different KGB guys who defected, supposedly, and came out with the, the story of bringing over people from the West to see the Soviet system. And, of course, they showed them everything except the prisons, but he said that even if you had showed them the prisons, they still wouldn't believe it. It's, it's a true belief, you see. And, of course, these people are awfully handy down through the ages. They always exist who will join what they call radical groups. They think they're radical, you see. And they're all getting used for, for reasons they don't even know. This guy's quite something else. The big foundations and the big corporations all work and created the greening industry. And years and years ago, when they came up with the fake oil shortage nonsense in the 70s, they did big studies on this, and the corporations did it too. Some of these corporations have bigger departments than some of your governments studying you in the future. And they came up with the conclusion is, well, if that really was the case and there was going to be a shortage of oil, uh, how would we maintain the profits and get better, better pro- uh, profits and so on if there's less oil? Well, you give them less and less and charge more and more and more. And the same thing with energy of all kinds as well. So that tied right in, you see, with, with their plan, their plan, I said, of the greening agenda. Everything is a racket, folks. The ones at the top of the tree have already made their pile of money, but they want to hang on to it and control the world in the future by their own offspring. The ones down below are, are all the little hackers and, and guys that, that, there's other names for actually, beginning with a W from in Britain, but you can't use it so much in there. And anyway, these guys are the guys who, who do all the dirty work. They're CEOs of corporations. And those, it's like those guys who are the bankers in Ireland that were on tape recently discussing get, getting the, conning the government a 7 billion euro bailout that they were not going to pay back. And they called them everything. The government was called everything. And the people too. Suckers, suckers, suckers. Nothing happens. They won't get fired. That's the real world that we live in. Now, up, up, and right down to the present, as I say, with the bank crashes and all the rest of it, we pay, bailed out the banks. The banks all knew they were going to crash five years beforehand because they planned it that way. And they knew they'd lose nothing. 
They've had to gain a lot. They're still selling off millions of homes, which they still, they've ended up having in their hands. It's wonderful, isn't it, being a, a good psychopath? And unfortunately, I came to the conclusion a long, long time ago that the world's probably always been run by psychopaths. Now, the psychopaths themselves have their own different theories about it. They say to themselves, well, we're, we're big groups at the top of psychopaths, as their people call us, but we're really just survivors. Then they get all the, the, the psychobabble to, to justify what they do. Well, every species must survive, right? So what's wrong with surviving? And therefore, couple it with Darwinianism and survival of favoured species, as his whole treatise was, and so on. And, and they're the favoured species. Well, who, who can attack that? If, that? if you all believe in that, how can you attack that? If they believe they've got the right to dominate you, how can you attack that? See, they've made you believe what they want you to believe. Kind of reminds you of a spider that kind of paralyzes his victim before it eats him. They teach you what to believe as they're eating you. And they teach you stuff in universities, so you will believe it all. Now, you even get fed up reading the news because when you have to describe what it really means to the people who read the same stuff, there's something wrong. Or, or you're talking to people who are too far gone, it doesn't matter. Plus, they have no memory. They can't join the dots together or retain it for very long. They also knew this at the, the psychological warfare departments too. The more data they throw at you, everything gets mushed up together and eventually fades out. You've got to delete so much stuff from your brain to let more stuff in. But the big boys have always put up big real companies out there and created fake stars, you know, boy geniuses and rubbish like that, to make you believe that they're somehow truly a genius and, and far superior to you. So whenever they talk about something uh, like politics, even if that's not their area, it must be better than what you could come up with, you see. But you have got Facebook leaks are a lot leakier than Facebook is letting on. It says, well, Facebook was set up by the NSA. So was the funding. So is Google, NSA, Mossad, MI6, and so on, CIA. It's all the same folks. Set up a long time ago. Check up the history of them. Check up America's cultural Cold War. That gives you clues, but you have to do a bit of thinking and checking after to get the clues. So anyway, Facebook leaks a lot leaker and so on. It says last week when the Naked Security Lit uh, told you that Facebook leaked email addresses and phone numbers of 6 million users, but that was a really kind of modest leak given that there's a billion user service. It says, scratch the modest part. The researchers who originally found out that Facebook is actually creating secret dossiers for, for users are now saying the numbers don't quite match up. This article goes through all, all the statistics and so on which leaked out and they got more information. Of course, they're, they're, put, they're, getting, they're getting all the folk who are not on Facebook who communicate with folk on Facebook, and they're managing through sort of shadow information to get all your data too. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about just an example, which is Facebook, of course. And, you, and the people get told this over stuff over and over again, but they still use it. You can't help these people at all. You can't help them. They're gone. 
Most folk have never understood or lived in their life in any form of slavery, overt slavery or domination by another people. You can still be dominated by another people, but it's not overt. But most folk have never experienced that. History to them and to the average youngster is something, it doesn't matter how recent it is, it's ancient to them. And somehow we must have evolved. That's what they think. We've evolved since then. We're not as bad as we were. What really? Look at the countries, the so-called first world countries have been in war since 1991. They say Gulf War I, right through, carried on basically, to the present time. They're not finished yet. And they're slaughtering across the world. And those countries are under complete martial law by the occupying forces. Those children have a different perspective on what privacy means. It's awfully important to them. That's a survival mechanism. If you don't have it, well, that's it, you've gone. Quite simple. Lots of studies done on it already by the boys who do it to you. And also, too, who's who today? Who is who? Because the big boys have always been in the game of uh, giving you your leaders, in fact, to all sides. All sides. And divide and conquer and all the rest of it. And, and it's even better because you can get another group blamed for all the, all the faults of it. And you'll believe that too because the media will go on board with them. But it says here that Dal Nasra, front leader, is a CIA operative. It so says that the former Al-Qaeda member, it says, Abu Mahabad al-Jawlini, the head of the terrorist Al-Nusra Front, said on April 10th that the group was loyal to the Al-Qaeda chief Al-Zawahiri. A former Al-Qaeda member says the ringleader of the Al-Nusra Front, the primary terrorist group in Syria, is an operative of the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency. Well, I mean, I'm not in shock if that's true, because they, 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 don't forget they put Saddam Hussein in years ago, and many others. So I personally believe that the leader of the Nusra Army who declared his support for the Ayman al-Zawahiri is a CIA operative. The Sheikh Naim, who led an al-Qaeda trading camp in Egypt, said in a released video. I'll put that up tonight too for those who want to plow through it. But I mean, you understand, other folk get the blame for this. And who's behind it? Different countries behind it. And even that country in the CIA might be run by another country. That's how bad it is in, this, in the world of spooks. I call it spookdom. And all the U.S. too, the U.S. naval forces from the Philippines and the U.S. have started a massive six-day joint military exercise in the South China Sea. This is adding to tensions with China. Who's kidding who? The U.S. and Britain all arrested them long ago decided to build up China to be the manufacturer of products for the world. Now, you would never do that unless you knew you totally controlled everything that would happen in China. Totally controlled it. Nothing would be left to chance. Because the elite of the world make all their money off it, you see. And they would never risk losing any of it at all. Or the power that it wields as well. Never happened, folks. So I'll put this bit of rubbish up there as well tonight. And then another one too. It's supposed to awe and cow you. Spy drone can see what you're wearing from 17,500 feet away. It's the newest one. You see, a new camera developed by the Pentagon's research arm. You know, their research arm is DARPA, the ones who love to help paraplegics and stuff, like I said last night. That's what they're really there for. It says, um, so anyway, it says, Defense Advanced Research Agency, or Projects Agency's DARPA's autonomous real-time ground ubiquitous surveillance imaging system, isn't that wonderful, called Argus, has 1.8 billion pixels, you see, make it the world's highest resolution camera. 
It's so precise it says that it's equivalent to the capabilities of 100 predator drones in a medium city. They're power mad, aren't they? And who are they watching? This is for all you folks. Have you looked into who owns the whole system of drones? I mean, who, where it's all, who it's all coming from? Have you looked into Do you know which really all getting made? Who has been leading it for the last 12 years and the cheer leader for, for the last 12 years? What country is it? Do you know? Do you know? No, you don't. And also, too, we know they're taking down the population, and they have been for oh, faster and faster since the 1950s with the mandating inoculations and all the rest of the stuff they're putting into you. And... Uh, uh, also sterilizing you too with that and the foods. I don't see it's just one thing or the other. It's both of them actually. But it started with, with inoculations, no doubt about it. And um, it says lifetime pesticide use and telomere shortening amongst male pesticide applicators in the agricultural health study. And it's a study that came out on it and it's found that the particular the pesticides that they're using and of course, it's all the big boys that, that the five agribusinesses that use a particular pesticides, because the chemical industry is always in the Department of Warfare. It's a part of it. And of course, war on you is what it's about. They always profit off the, when they're killing off you. Understand? They always profit off you, even when they're taking you down. And then the, the other arm too, which is also the the, the big pharma industry, they, they profit massively too, treating the symptoms of all the diseases they give you, degenerative problems, and so on. It's quite wonderful. But I'll put this article up tonight. There's two on it. From One is from Green Med Info Summary. And another one is also uh, it's from another, another website about the same article. But uh, it's quite good, actually. And it um, goes into what it does to, the, to, your, to your genes and so on. And it's mainly in the males it's happening. They're telling me you're shortening. So it works awfully good. People don't know that even the, the, the golden rice that the Rockefeller brothers... Uh, uh, and bunch were producing and pushed to the United Nations to put across Asia and so on. Uh, that was hailed as a good thing for sterilization. That was one of the side effects in the males. But that's a coincidence, isn't it? They wouldn't do that to you, would they? <laughs> and also, this article too, about how, again, how you can portray a fact or facts and how you can spin facts. And I'll give you two versions. And it's a little boy in Britain, you know, now that you're under martial law in Britain, and it's a basket case altogether, and it will mean, it'll get worse and worse as, as we go down the tubes. They've been taught, for instance, they're going to be in austerity for the next 20 years, you see, at least. But that's part of the whole greening agenda. I mean, getting back to the oil if, if in, in all these different energy producers, how can they get more money for giving you less? That was done years ago, back in the 70s, that whole projection. And here we are going through it. But here's an example of just the fallout, the average day fallout and average people, you see. And it says here that uh, a young boy is in the hospital after being savagely attacked by a police dog in his parents' garden in Oldbury. West Midlands Police have launched an investigation concerning the attack on a 10-year-old boy in Western Road on Sunday afternoon. The police had been chasing four men who had reportedly stolen copper wiring that's what you get in third world countries now, near Langley Green train station, and the dog handler had been drafted in for the pursuit. And understand your whole generation who, who've, who've grown up in under martial law. They don't know that, but they have. And all they've seen in all the stuff that they, they gorge, all these movies and movies and movies and docudramas and stuff like that on TV, is how great the guys in the black outfits are. You know, big guns and stuff. 
And, and so they're so eager to get in. And that's how they treat the people. Once they're in it, they become the characters of, they've been watching all their lives in fiction. So anyway, the cops have been called in. It says he and the German shepherd, this guy, and Belgian Malinois entered a private garden, and despite being on a leash, the dog still managed to inflict serious injuries on the boy. So the police dog slashed this little boy in his own garden, 10-year-old boy. As his chief inspector, Ian Marr, said, the, the poor young boy has gone through an absolutely horrendous ordeal. My thoughts are with his, uh, him and his family as he recovers from his injuries. And we apologize unreservedly for what happened. And I've launched an investigation. The police are always investigating themselves. It never goes anywhere. So there was an investigation to fully understand exactly how an innocent young lad came to be bitten by a police dog in the safety of his own back garden. And police dogs and their handlers receive intensive training and play crucial roles in the rest of suspects day in and day out. But on the very rare occasions where things go wrong, it's vital to understand why and learn the lessons to ensure it doesn't happen again. They'd have said the same thing if they'd, if they'd machine gunned them. And nobody would care. You know, you'd forget all this tomorrow. As you will, actually. But I'll put that one up. That, this is the one, is the, that's the, the more sanitized version. And then this one here has got uh, a bit more detail on it. It says, it said that um, this happened about 1500 BST on Saturday after police responded to the report of four men stealing the, the wiring, you see. And a nearby resident described the attack as disgusting. She told the BBC WM, are they going to put the police dog down? This is what we want to know. At the end of the day, they do it to a normal dog, meaning, meaning you know, the cattle's dog, that's all of you. So why not a police dog? She says, my grandchildren are always in this garden. But again, this is a, this is a, a trivia thing, because if you went through the papers, you'd find stacks of these things happening. Stacks of these things happening. And you accept it, it becomes normal to you, normalized. Brutality becomes normalized as you become disconnected from each other, collectively. That was all done through destruction of the culture that held you all together in the first place. That was done deliberately too. Quite simple. You can't get people who hardly know their neighbours or don't want to know their neighbours anymore or maybe don't even speak the same languages anymore. They'll stand up as the same people because they're more suspicious of each other. They have nothing in common culturally. Also, pensioners living on pocket money as the savings crisis hits millions. Almost 2 million retired adults in the UK have less disposable income than the average 11-year-old as Britain's savings crisis creates a generation of pension paupers. Well, so what? Who's going to care about that? People are, are disconnected from each other now. No one cares. I'm okay. I'm okay, Jack. And that's how it works. Thousands of studies on this all the time to make sure all things are going to plan. Google's not obliged to delete any data, rules an EU lawyer, that's a European Union parliamentary lawyer. Google cannot be obliged to delete sensitive information from its search index, a key advisor to the European Court of Justice has said. For the Spanish case which challenged Google to remove outdated financial details about an individual. The opinion of the Advocate General Nilo Jaskin could influence a wider EU debate over whether people have the right to be forgotten. No, they're not going to let you. That's part of the training too. 
you understand, look up the self-policing. And try to get as many articles as you want from academia. They've done so many on this, how to teach whole populations to self-police. You already changed your behavior modification, but see, putting cameras up is not necessarily to catch anybody. It's to also train you in the streets and everywhere else not to be spontaneous, even happy or anything else. Until you walk around with that drab expression that you used to see in all the old Soviet documentaries. You self-police yourself because you know you're getting watched or you suspect you may be getting watched. You have no idea how much of your tax money is spent on making sure they always will own you. You have no idea. Quite some. Now, it's an article too. You don't know who's who anymore, do you? You're taught to hate this group. Because society is taught to hate, you understand, by those who are PC, political correct. They tell you who not to hate and who to hate. Divide and conquer, isn't it? This article here says, from the Telegraph too, mainstream media, the English Defence League in, in England, the Jewish Division and the Useful Idiots, written by, it's a, it's a guy who should maybe know, Julian Kossoff, you see. It's an exasperated uh, f- friend tells me his father, a fearsome Jewish anti-fascist in his day, now sp- uh, spouts a near-the-knuckle canards about illegal immigrants and asylum seekers. So this phenomenon is known as pulling up the ladder once a group is in, a special group, you see, and then you pull it up to ban other ones coming in. As each wave of immigrants grows to feel at home abroad their new country, they identify ever more with the host community, showing its resentment towards newcomers and not recognizing any empathetic con- uh, connection with their own historical experience. But he says, but when I heard that there were, were Jews actually supporting the English Defence League, and you thought it was all, you know. He said, I thought, pull the other one, it says. The EDL claims to stand up for Englishness against Islamic extremism, but in truth is largely a hodgepodge of football hooligans, lumpen bootboys, and cast-offs from seedy neo-Nazi outfits such as Combat 18. Its demonstrations, the most recent in Leicester, uh, has been crude. I'll give you a video to show you. Exercising it in baiting local Asian youths and their anti-racist supporters with the local constabulary caught in the blood-spattered middle. Now, it's not as clear-cut as that, because you go over the papers in Britain. Uh, at one time, they were telling you there was actually Asian guys going around as well, beating up other people. So when you expose some truths, you can also... Misdirect you off in a different tangent again. It says Anglo Jewry's Community Security Trust concluded that the EDL actions are violent and intimidatory, attacking police and random Asians. Any Jews thinking that they can shape such dangerous forces and find shelter, they are utterly deluded. The Jewish EDL connection first emerged when Israeli flags were seen at some of the early protest punch-ups. Initially, it was believed to be a macho homage to Israel's kill-or-be-killed policy towards Hamas and Hezbollah terror. Now, the same thing happened in Norway, remember, to that massacre in Norway. And the guy said that, of course, the first it came out, they'd been in touch, he may even visited the EDL, then they denied it again. But he was all pro-Israel and their stance on Muslims. Now this article was going to say, but then stories began to emerge in the Jewish press of an EDL and Jewish division based on anonymous sources. I dismissed it, says the author, as fantastic. And then it says Mark Garner, CST communications director, confirms that Jews are running with the EDL. 
The Jewish branch is a tiny part of a far larger movement dominated by white males, he says, who had previously have made up National Front marches and English football hooligan gangs. Some folk don't really like white males either. And you understand, this is all getting muddied up here. It's something that's come to the attention of some people who've noticed. It says, it says, these useful idiots, uh, in a good, good term, useful idiots, now which ones are the useful idiots? Now, have a spokeswoman, Brazilian-born Jewish activist, Roberta Moore. She told the Jewish Chronicle that the Jewish division has around 100 members, most of whom are Jewish. It says, our members are not hooligans, we are educated people with jobs. Ms. Moore says, if we defend ourselves as that hooliganism, the Jewish communities sit in their houses and do nothing. They will enjoy the benefits of our actions. It's a commonplace EDL action, include the frequent use of the, the I, I Seek Heil salute by members of the ragtag mob. This is so far so incredible. First on October 24th, the EDL planned to hold a solitary demonstration outside the Israel embassy. The Israeli uh, 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 diplomats are horrified, adding to the cringe factor of a rustled up rabbi to embellish the cynical ploy aimed at cultivating hatred between Jews and Muslims. It's quite the article, this. Back with more on the story after this break. Hi folks, we're back cunning through the Matrix talking about who's who. And even when you think who's who, you better check again. You know, and into the world of spookdom and, and all these different espionage groups and different groups funded by different governments and and so on. And this one's about the, the Jewish factor in the EDF, the English Defence League or Fund or whatever they call it themselves, or Front, and and how they're working with them, a Jewish group. So this guy says, while many in the Jewish community have understandable concerns about the rise of Islamic fundamentalism. So often streets through with virulent anti-Semitism. This reminds me of an old Star Trek, the old series that they had with a guy who, who was half down the middle, part black, part white, and he fought himself down through the ages. It's like racial wars that are ancient. Still going on. And a lot of the Arabs themselves are Semitic. So they can't be anti-Semitic, you see. It's all confusing, isn't it, because of the, the, the terminology we've been given to confuse us. And then, then you find this article here. U.S. bloggers banned from entering U.K. And it says, two prominent U.S. bloggers have been banned from entering the U.K., the home office, as the government office has said. Pamela Geller, who's Jewish, and Robert Spencer co-founded anti-Muslim group Stop Islamization of America. That's from the BBC. This is where due to speak at the English Defence League march in Woolwich, where drummer Lee Rigby was killed. Government spokesman said individuals whose presence is not conducive to the public good could be excluded by the Home Secretary. He had we condemn all those whose behaviours and views run counter to our shared values. Whose shared values? And will not stand for any extremism in any form. And says Ms. Geller of the Atlas Shrugs blog and Mr. Spencer of the Jihad Watch are also co-founders of the American Freedom Defense Initiative, best known for a pro-Israel defeat jihad poster campaign in New York subways. They're basically what used to be called fifth colonists. They're loyalty to another country, but they're inside another country, and they can often undermine it from within. And that's what that is. 
Uh, says, on both of their blogs, the pair called their bans for entering the UK a striking blow against freedom and said the nation that gave the world the Magna Carta is dead. Well, it was dead with the first generation, the Magna Cartans. I say they were due to attend a march plan by the far-right EDL to mark armed forces day June 29th, ending in Woolwich, South London, where soldier Rigby was murdered last month. Then it goes on and on. But then you read this article here, and it says here, so, so, so in other words, who, who's manipulating all this? The world of spookdom, folks, is, is really, really thick. It says, UK far-right fascist group ADL mocks Stephen Hawking. You know, the guy who's apparently paralyzed. And, and he's in a wheelchair, and he's a scientist and all that. And it says, um, the far-right racist group English Defense League has made a... How can they call one group racist, but not the other ones? See, it's very selective. Has made a... Because they are all, aren't they? Has made a fake mocked-up video of the iconic scientist and theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking. So they made a faked one to mock Stephen Hawking. I mean, you couldn't pick someone more helpless to mock if you want to be hated for doing so. The false footage now on YouTube shows Hawking supporting the EDL's fascist ideology and hate towards the faith of Islam in its characteristic synthesized voice. They can take anybody's voice and synthesize it and make it appear that it's you. The fake information in the video shows Hawking saying, thankfully groups like the EDL are helping the English media wake up the threat posed by the Islamification of England. But then you find out another one that says that Stephen Hawking's had marches against him pretty well, massive protests because he wouldn't attend the Israeli conference in science. He had things said they didn't like about what Israel was doing in their policies. Who put out the stuff? Who put out the stuff on Stephen Hawking? And they're working with the EDL. From Haitian Myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.